Is DK Metcalf about to be on the move from Seattle? Will Trey Lance have to wait another year to be the man in San Francisco? And what should you do to take back in exchange for Alvin Kamara on your dynasty teams? Plus, the 2021-2022 World Famous FFPC Playoff Challenge $500,000 grand prize winner Chuck Root joins us live to talk about how his lineup was nearly very different. His thoughts on Debo Samuel's current never-too-early FFPC Best Ball Tournament ADP and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour begins live on YouTube right now. And that is how we're going to bring it in tonight, ladies and gentlemen. It is myself. It is Farrell Elliott from the KFFSC. We're still where it's a trial and error process right now. Basically, is is where we're at on this. Um, we're going to see how this goes. This is the first time we've ever been live on YouTube before. It's the first time we've you know we we've done this. We're year eleven of this of this program, and we have never been on YouTube before. Um, and so now we're broadcasting live tonight to bring the this show. You can see our mugs. You can talk to us. You can comment on YouTube. Um, and we put out that that link. If you have not seen that link, it's on the FFPC's Twitter. It's on my Twitter. It's on the HSFF Hours Twitter. You can check that out and, and watch us and comment live. We already got the Dizzle commenting. Very excited for the program tonight. Um, ladies and gentlemen, before we get into the meat and potatoes of our program, I do want to remind you that we have dozens of Dynasty Orphans available at myffpc.com slash Dynasty for sale. Some really good discounts on there. Uh, remember, and I always bring this up every single year, when you have a dynasty team for sale with the FFPC, doesn't necessarily mean that the team is bad. There's plenty of reasons why um, teams get orphaned, teams get abandoned. Sometimes life gets in the way. Sometimes people have families, they have babies, they have new jobs, they go on vacations, they they leave for work, things change. There's some really good deals out there. MyFFPC.com slash dynasty for sale. Register for the inaugural. Uh, never too early best ball tournament right now, myffpc.com, $25,000 grand prize on that. Um, so you can definitely take advantage. Drafts go all the way until April 28th, um, 32nd, 62nd, two hour and six hour drafts going on right there. Uh, we already announced it a couple of weeks ago on this program, the 2022 FFPC main event, $1 million grand prize. Very, very exciting there. You can become the first FFPC millionaire if you win it this year. Plenty of slow live and sit and go best ball options if you want to get in a closed 12 team league at myffpc.com. And don't forget about the draft masters going on, as well as the big payback plan at kffsc.com. And I want to bring in my co host right now. He is the one, the only, the incomparable Farrell Elliott. You follow him on Twitter at kffsc, at uh, J. Farrell Elliott. And Farrell, exciting time for the FFPC, exciting time for the KFFPC, and exciting time for us because we're live on YouTube right now, man. Uh, Balky, I am excited, and I want you to tell me a little bit about this headwear you've got going on here. What are oh. you, what's, what's happening with this? Yeah, no, this is because um, Balky, you have a handsome head of hair to match <laughs> your beard, and you're you're hiding your assets underneath this, and it must be a very impressive cap, something you really believe in. What this, what does this? Okay, so so shout out first of all, shout out to uh, Nelson Burbitt and Dynasty Depot, and all the yes. guys I got to hang out with last night, um, Fantasy Heather and Rick Taylor. Uh, doing the Dynasty Depot podcast last night. It was the first time I tried out this um, the 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 webcam that I'm I'm broadcasting live tonight with, and I had the bulky hat on last night. 
So I want to keep I want to keep the rotation going. So tonight we have the chosen hat, which I got um, at Caesar's Palace at the FFPC live event several years ago at the King Baby Store. The Dizzle was a huge fan of this hat. I was too. So I'm wearing it tonight because you, Farrell, you and I have been chosen to ah. do this show uh, to bring the world of high stakes fantasy football to all the listeners tonight. Um, whether they be in Las Vegas, whether they be in Louisville, wherever they are around the world. That's why I got this headgear on tonight. And why have we been chosen? Because no one else was available. That's it's, a it's, good reason. Yeah, it's basically the, the whole reason why. Is, is <laughs> that's why we're doing the show tonight. Of, let's talk a little bit of fantasy football before they find someone else who is yes. available. I, I'm totally with you on that. Um, all right, so let's let's um, kick things off. We're going to go down to Miami. And we're going to talk about what uh, Wes Welker, former Dolphins receiver turned Dolphins wide receiver coach, had to say about Jalen Waddell. Um, and, and this is interesting. This uh, was posted on NFL.com yesterday, I believe. Um, he compared Jalen well, uh, I'm gonna I'll say the quote here. The quote from Jalen or from Wes Welker about Jalen Waddell, quote, kind of Tyreek Hill-ish uh, with the ball in his hands. Further from Wes Welker, I think it's acceleration. Um, especially like when he's gets a ball in my hand, we've got the ball in his hands. It's kind of Tyree killish how he's just able to get that ball and really burst out of it a little bit different body types and stuff. But I kind of think that's what came to mind whenever I was kind of watching him coming to Alabama and seeing on seeing him on film there, Mike McDaniel and Wes Welker, along with the rest of the Miami dolphins, offensive um, uh, assistant coaches have been very effusive in their praise uh, of Jalen Waddle. Last year, 11th in receiver targets with 140. He was eighth in receptions among wideouts with 104, and he only missed one game. He could shape up as a very big-time, high-volume uh, PPR cheat code in uh, 2022, as NBC Sports Edge puts it. In the FFPC Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament, I know we touched on this last week. I'll bring it up again. Jalen Waddell, Farrell, wide receiver 10 at the 306 right now. Wide receiver 10 for a dude who was going in like the ninth, 10th round last year. This is, he's going in the neighborhood of CeeDee Lamb, T. Higgins, DK Metcalf, Keenan Allen. That's the neighborhood he's going in. Is this a neighborhood that Jalen Waddell should be going in right now? Yes, Balky. We talked on the show before about how this player really can't be overdrafted. He comes from a system and a culture uh, trained in a culture of success at Alabama and Welker's correct. You don't see this kind of explosive athlete, this kind of ball player. And here he is 23 years old and he's already got a hundred plus catches on his resume. I didn't like what they did with him early in the season. It got better as the season went on. And one of the things that, that I really love about the player is his strength. He's, you know, everyone talks about his speed. He's 5'10", 185, just like Hill. Now, if we could, if you have proposed this question into what we do at the end of the show, show comparing players, I would say that both of them 5'10", 185, but each of them is very different body types um, and very different expectations entering the league. Uh, Tyreek Hill, uh, who I believe is a late first rounder, early second right now, uh, he came in the league as a fifth-round draft pick, and people raised their eyebrows when he was taken because of his resume and because of his track record. He got booted out of Oklahoma State, ended up at West Georgia. He's, you know, booted out of Oklahoma State, a, a place where it had been great, greatly tolerant 
of uh, players with issues. So that didn't bode well for him. But, you know, the one thing that Mr. Welker may be missing here is, is you take looking at these two players side by side. As long as Tyreek Hill is teamed with the quarterback that he's with, there's no player in the league like him. And so I I think uh, Hillish is uh, a bit of a stretch, but I'm, I'm willing to give the coach that. Uh, yeah, uh, is, I will finish up by saying this, Tyreek Hill, when he returns to the training camp and the, the, the camaraderie and the, the productivity of uh, training camp in the locker room, I'll be willing to spend a first round FFPC draft pick on him. Until then, I'll just continue to watch Waddle uh, go up the draft boards and, and keep drafting him. I've drafted him everywhere I can get him in these never too early tournaments, which I'm enjoying being in. So that's my response to Mr. Walker. Yeah. And, and um, I, and I'll bring this up here. If I can figure this out, uh, ladies and gentlemen, just give me one second here. I want to bring up and shout out to fantasy mojo, Darren Armani, um, fa- uh, fantasy mojo.com at fantasy mojo on Twitter. Um, he has the, um, the ADP um, that we have here and, and I'll bring it up. Um, you can kind of see on this when we look at Jalen Waddle, when we look at Tyree Kill, you can see Tyree Kill going wide receiver four right now at the um, at the uh, uh, in the third round. I apologize, it's so small on my screen. Okay, <laughs> so Tyree Kill uh, at the end of the first round. Beg your pardon, wide receiver four at the end of the first round, and then you have Jalen Waddle. If you go look at the bottom, of that wide receiver ten. Uh, 306. He is climbing, climbing, climbing. And I think the the point here, Farrell, that, that I, I want to make is at some point you would think that Jalen Waddle, like the hype will get too big on him as we get further and further uh, and closer and closer to, to main event season coming up in August with the KFFSC and FFPC. And, and then that's the concern I have, right? Because obviously with the numbers he put up last year as a rookie with mediocre quarterback play, um, you, you certainly love what Waddle can do in year two, but at some point um, the bubble might burst right uh, on Jalen Waddle. And then he becomes undraftable. You and I are of the same opinion right now. Correct me if I'm wrong at this point, third round, he's definitely draftable. Definitely draftable. I put him on a team with uh, out of the number two position, Cooper cup as my number one receiver. And then in the third round, I added Waddle and they really shouldn't have let me do that. Cause I'm very <laughs> excited about that situation. Um, let's, let's get excited about the Seattle situation right now. Um, Mike, Michael, Sean Duger, who covers the Seahawks for the athletic actually had some interesting things to talk about, um, both the backfield and the wideouts uh, for Seattle this past week. I don't want to get into, uh, the running backs as much with, with Chris Carson and then free agent Rashad Penny. Cause I feel like we talked about that quite a bit last week. What we didn't talk about was this point with, uh, or with this aspect with DK Metcalf going on. Um, in this piece for the Athletic published this week, he suggested Seattle could get a first-round draft pick if they decided to part ways with DK Metcalf. Now, if you remember, the Seahawks do not have a first-round pick at all this year, and Duger says the only real – well, there's two realistic ways they can get a first-round pick. Trading Russell Wilson, number one, which he says is not going to happen, and then trading DK Metcalf. His contract will expire at the end of this upcoming season. 24 years old, and since he came into the NFL in 2019, um, he is fifth in receiving touchdowns with 29. He is 10th overall in receiving yards with 3,170, and he's 17th overall in the NFL since his uh, career started 
uh, in receptions with 216. He's been awesome deep. He's been pretty good um, in the intermediate stuff, which I, I know I didn't see coming when he became a rookie. And obviously, if if you are a team in need of a wideout, in need of a deep threat, in need of an alpha number one, and you have some draft picks, you're probably communicating with Seattle right now. Now, the issue I have, or and, and this is how it pertains to fantasy, uh, Farrell, and this is how I want to bring it back here. DK Metcalf in the never-too-early FFPC best ball tournament right now, wide receiver 12 at the 307 right now. Does the fact that he could be traded, again, according to one report from The Athletic from a, a, a guy who covers the team in, in Michael Sean Duger, this mm-hmm. might just be, you know, uh, just, just body talk at this point. But at, you know, when you're talking about investing that early of a pick in DK Metcalf, do you change your thought process at all and maybe move on to a different receiver knowing that there is talk that Metcalf could be traded by Seattle? Well, I think when you're looking at that, you have to imagine what kind of situation he finds himself in. And so I have three teams that I would love for him, the Patriots, the um, Las Vegas Raiders, New Orleans, a team which has got significant salary cap trouble, but they're used to paying it forward, making that money go into latter years. So I think we're in a situation with these um, with this player, his value at 3-7 and his value is enhanced if he does get out of Seattle. I think they would be foolish to trade him. Um, the team has always remained somewhat of a mystery to me. Uh, they'll continue to be a mystery to be even more of one if they let this guy get out of the building. Yeah, and I think that it – it I think uh, NBC Sports Edge, who we're, we're getting this report from, said I think they called it a stupefying decision if they did indeed decide to move on from Metcalf. Um, Justin McCord, um, former Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship main event um, uh, winner, pointing out in the chat right now, um, you would be parting with a first-round pick for what could just be a one-year rental. Not too many teams probably on board with that. But never say never. You never know. I don't know what NFL teams are capable of at this point. Anything. Um, Absolutely anything. anything, You're right. And and to that point, uh, another piece of surprising news from Adam Schefter this week saying that um, the 49ers, after most people, most pundits out there thought that Jimmy Garoppolo would indeed be traded, sounds like Schefter is saying he might be uh, on the Niners uh, this upcoming season again. In fact, uh, Schefter said Kyle Shanahan and the Niners uh, said that they could – continue their relationship with Jimmy Garoppolo because he's very popular in the locker room and Trey Lance still has a ways to go. I'm going to read this quote. Now this is Schefter. I don't know if you've ever watched him when he delivers these, these breaking news reports, he has a tendency to be a a little bit redundant. Here's, here's the quote. Um, Schefter said Lance was probably further behind than people realize. Trey Lance is greener than people realize. Trey Lance is going to need more work than people realize. And they have a roster that can win now. Schefter says the Niners are very happy with how Trey Lance has been developing. Uh, Garoppolo is a $27 million cap hit this coming year. He signed for one more year in San Francisco. And if you remember, um, after the Niners drafted Trey Lance last season, Kyle Shanahan did nothing but throw all of his support behind Garoppolo, saying he is the quarterback of now, and and reiterated that almost on a weekly basis um, this past year. Now. Knowing that, would he be willing to say that again for 2022 if Lance is a little bit further behind and and if the Niners feel like Jimmy Garoppolo gives them the best team to win or get the best chance to win now? The reason I ask this, we're not falling all over ourselves drafting Jimmy Garoppolo. However, 
Debo Samuel's going high. Brandon Ayuk's a favorite. Don't forget about the running game with Eli Mitchell. Um, so I, I'm just kind of curious, Farrell, when you're drafting FFPC teams or what have you, how does this report change not only what you're doing with Trey Lance, but we, what what you're doing with George Kittle, Ayuk, and, and Debo Samuel in drafts? I think those players remain um, with with either quarterback. I think those players remain exactly where they are. Uh, perhaps um, Mitchell would be effective if Lance was announced as the quarterback. But what we've got to remember is Lance doesn't turn 22 years old until May. It's not surprising that he's green. It's not surprising that uh, he comes from the level of college football um, that he played in. And they're, you know, I can remember a day, Balky, when they used to talk about it taking five years to make a quarterback. That's way gone by now. Now <laughs> they want results in five games. But I, I really think this player is a very good player, a wonderful career in front of him. And, you know, the, Schefter is right. He, you've got a team that's built to win now. You've got a team that can be competitive within a very tough division, and you've got a quarterback that's a winner. And the thing about to remember about Garoppolo, um, he's 30 years old. Uh, it's, it's not like he, he's an aged uh, veteran uh, that's left his best ball behind him. I really like the idea of uh, Garoppolo staying there from a financial standpoint. It gives him about $36, $37 million in the locker room, in the quarterback room, and that's that's not a bad way to to build a team. I, I can see why they would want to do that, and, uh, yeah, it works for me. NFC this year. Um, I, I still believe Aaron Rodgers comes back to Green Bay, but mm-hmm. if he doesn't, you have Matthew Stafford in Los Angeles, no Tom Brady in Tampa. Um, you know, New Orleans, we don't know what's going on there. Obviously, Dallas would be a contender, but if San Francisco is believes they're good enough to get to the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo and in in you know their their toughest competition um, is Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, there might be something to this. And certainly, if you have been traf- uh, drafting Trey Lance in the uh, never too early um, FFPC best ball tournament, you might want to rethink that a little bit. In fact, he is going as quarterback eleven right now. At the 709. Um, so certainly that is something that you'd have to be concerned about if you're drafting him as your number one quarterback, because this is a dude who, barring injury, might not play this whole 2022 season. We have the FFPC $500,000 world famous uh, FFPC playoff challenge winner, Chuck Root, coming up. The last thing I want to get to right before we get to him is this other report from Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk, um, talking that multiple teams are actually willing to trade right now for Deshaun Watson, despite you know the better part of two dozen civil suits pending uh, against him. Watson's lawyer said that in court that he expects the grand jury to make a decision on all criminal charges by the end of uh, the month of March. The level of those charges, which could be felony or misdemeanor, should, should be known at that point in time. Watson, civil cases from 22 men and, uh, women, no clear timeline on when all those civil suits could you know, resolve themselves or we'll get any kind of um, resolution on that. Uh, Mike Florio has reported that multiple teams are still willing to trade for Watson, even with those cases pending. Um, if they are resolved by the end of March or early April, obviously the trade market could heat up. Watson believes that, that he'll play this season and that he'll play for somebody else other than Houston. Um, the Texans reportedly are looking for five to seven assets in exchange from the uh, Clemson quarterback, including 
not one, not two, but three first round picks. Farrell, I bring this up because Deshaun Watson has been, he's got his highest ADP in the FFPC in some time right now, quarterback 15 at the 10.03. Is that a spot you want to be in business when, uh, with Watson, knowing that there's still a chance that he might not play in 2022 as well? I don't think so. I want to have my three quarterbacks in this league for these 20 spots, and, and I don't want to take that gamble. It's foolish to take that gamble when we realize that the quarterback talent that exists in this league, a lot of the quarterbacks that played poorly last year have a chance to come back and play much better this year. A lot of the young quarterbacks, the maturation process in New England with Mac Jones, same thing with the Jets. He, he flashed last year. Wilson flashed, although his end of the season numbers were <laughs> – you know, they're nothing to write home about. Trevor Lawrence will throw for more touchdowns this year than he threw for interceptions. That with that number, that ratio was way out of balance for him last year. So you don't need to do this with Watson. And I think this time of the year, pre-free agency, pre-combine, when, when an executive is asked about would you be willing to trade for Watson, hey, at this point of the year, we're open to anything. Reality will set in soon. Uh, and especially with what Houston wants for him, uh, someone would have to be playing a very, very long game, Balky, to to make that move. And as you can see what's happening in front offices around the NFL right now, the long game is out of fashion. And uh, I'll tell you what also is out of fashion is the dad jokes that is being um, expounded upon by uh, Dave the Dizzle Gerzak in the YouTube chat room right Dave now. Dave is on fire tonight. The, this yeah, he is. is fascinating. Look at yeah, that. That's good stuff. Who, who would have thought, and I, I won't get into it, but there's a lot of massage jokes going on right now in the mm. YouTube chat, uh, mm. ladies and gentlemen. Now, um, I as much as I'd love to talk about that, we do want to bring in our guest of honor tonight. His dad, Chuck Root Sr., and he joined the FFPC about a decade ago, um, only uh, missing one year drafting live in Las Vegas. They finished with the best record and most points several times. Uh, and they also have two main event uh, titles to their names. Um, they also manage a high-stakes FFPC dynasty team, played in the Football Guys Players Championship, uh, played in uh, Victory Point Leagues, Best Ball Leagues, Best Ball Slim Leagues over the years. They had their best finish. He and his dad had their best finish in the FFPC World Famous Playoff Challenge last year when they finished 12th. That best finish lasted one year uh, because uh, they won the whole enchilada this year, including the $500,000 grand prize. I want to bring in to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour tonight, the FFPC's newest half-million-dollar winner, Mr. Chuck Root Jr. Chuck, thanks so much for joining us this evening, man. This is awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm honored to be here. So. Chuck Root Jr. is is rocking the Cincinnati Bengals jersey. What number is that, Chuck? Well, That's Nixon, right? Nixon. He's, he's yeah. the uh, he's right. over the top, so, you know had to do it so so chuck has it i mean we're we're now like whatever it is almost two weeks past the super bowl has it sunk in yet has it sunk in that you know you and your dad are, are bringing this half milli back back home right now has it sunk in yeah it, it it has finally it did take a while it was just kind of you know kind of unreal and you know just couldn't imagine that it could happen but you know now that you know, everybody knows and everybody wants to hear the stories and we're constantly talking about it. Now it's, it's, it's come to real life and, you know, knowing that, that, that money's being withdrawn from the account. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's real now. It's real. So, so let's get into the, to the meat and potatoes of this. You, I, I, I can't remember exactly how many lineups you put in. Did you put in four or five for, for this competition? We put it, we put in four and four. Um, okay. 
yeah, the way, the way we did it, like I picked a lineup, uh, my dad picked a lineup. The third one, we kind of, you know, just, you know, spitfired back and forth on some guys. And then the fourth one, I let my eight-year-old son pick it. So, yeah. so that's how, that's how we got the four, but the, the one, sorry. Which one won? Which, which was the winner? My, mine won. The, oh, the one that I picked was the winner, okay. of course. Right. So, but yeah, so that's, that's why I'm here. But <laughs> how, I mean, they had to be pretty similar though, right? Between those four, were they fairly uh, close? I mean, fairly close. I mean, we had, you know, obviously there's going to be similarities no matter what with the, uh, based on the amount of guys to choose from, but you know, we kind of always wanted to make sure that, you know, that we, we did have some differences throughout and, you know, the, the one, one of my eight year old was a lot different than the rest of ours. So. Uh, <laughs> okay, um, so the, oh, do you have another follow-up? Yeah. Yeah. Just let I, I just want to ask. Um, so Chuck, you, you finished 12th last year in this competition. Yep. You, wow. you win the whole thing this year. I'm just kind of curious your philosophy in putting these lineups together specific to the winning lineup this year. I mean, how did you sort of develop this? What was your process? Did you fill out uh, an NFL uh, playoff bracket and then go off that? Um, how, how did you do this? What was the process? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, pretty much that. Um, I, I started with quarterback and I focused on who I wanted at quarterback. And I, I really, you know, yes, I live in the Buffalo area, but I, I went with Josh Allen because I really thought the bills were, you know, they were kind of beat to beat their the way they're built to beat the Chiefs. And I thought that they were going to the Super Bowl. So started with him and turned out he had two phenomenal games anyway. So so that was fine. But um after that, looked at the really those those first six games that first weekend and kind of picked who I thought was going to win those six games. And then looked at the two teams who I thought had no chance of winning, uh Pittsburgh and and the Raiders. So I didn't pick anyone from either one of those. And then and then I went through um I wasn't real big on New England or Arizona having a chance. Plus I didn't like a lot of the fantasy matchups within those games. So that's where I pulled the kicker and defense from. And then after that, I just kind of went through looking at matchups for the nine other slots and, you know, looked at, you know, based on, you know, who I thought, you know, would have the better games. And, you know, I kind of picked out guys I wanted, like I, I didn't want Derrick Henry, you know, coming off that injury with the uncertainty. So like I knew I was going AJ Brown knew I was going Kelsey. Um, and then Mixon really was the next pick because I knew I was going to be short on running backs and just kind of, kind of filled out from there. So we had a similar experience, you know, I spent Super Bowl Sunday. We had our first ever KFFSC Super Bowl weekend party and draft and it came together very well, despite Balky not being there. He's making promises, Chuck, of appearing next year, but we had a great crowd that showed up. The Dizzle was there and, you know, it was wonderful, but we had a guy in the room with with a lesser but still a similar experience to you, a, a longtime player in Kentucky named Craig Campbell. And Craig came in, and he was a bit pensive. He's a laid-back guy, but for himself, I kept getting the idea that he wanted to tell me something, but he really wouldn't let go. And when he said so long, I said, you know, I, I got to call him after the weekend and see what's on his mind. And he went home and he won a $100,000 prize. So I'm asking you, on Super Bowl Sunday, it's a long day, especially oh, when especially when you're in your situation. How did you spend the day? What? Who did you talk to before? I would have talked to everybody after. But who did you let know before? Who was there to share it with you? Obviously, uh, Chuck Sr. and your eight-year-old, but... Just just tell us a little bit about that day because, look, Super Bowls, I've seen every one of them on TV. I was about eight years old when the first one was around. So let me tell you something. I can remember all of them. You'll never have a more memorable one, I probably would guess. So lay it out for us. What was your day like? 
Well, that's the thing. Memorable. I, I, it was the worst day ever. It, it, was a, it, was a, it was a horrible day. It was horrible, but, you know, as bad as it was, you know, I'm hoping it's the same day next year, too. Yeah. But um, it was just, I mean, just the, the whole, the week leading up to it, you know, I, I had told a lot of people about it with the possibility. Mm-hmm. So, so everybody, everybody around town knew and everything. And, but the day of the Super Bowl, it was just, it was just, it was just myself, my wife, and my two kids. And my dad wasn't even at the house. He was at his house and, just just kept watching that clock. It was the longest day. And then obviously the way the Super Bowl was, it was just oh, it was it was bad. It was it was bad. <laughs> what was did 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 you guys hook up after the, the Super Bowl ended on, yeah, on yeah, Sunday like, evening then? Right. I mean, because I mean, you know, I was following along the whole way and just the way the game played out. I mean, I it was so close. I mean, throughout I was we were what we were down, I think point two at half. We were tied after the third, and then just that last drive, the way it happened and you know, and my cell phone, you know, was blowing up and this and that and talking to my parents. And as soon as the game ended, they just came right over. They live, you know, like a seven minute walk away. So, so they were here after the game and then, you know, it was time to have a few drinks and, and go from there. So Chuck, the, uh, what was Monday like? I just yeah. want to, <laughs> well, Monday, I, ca- I called off a of work on Monday and, you know, they, they knew I, you know, I, there was a possibility I wasn't coming in because I had to because I had to uh, to book the uh, thirty person limo bus for the following weekend, so Good family and friends you. could all go out. So you know, kind of go to work that day. So Chuck, um, question from the chat room from uh, sure. Dave the Dizzle Gerzak. He wants to know if you maybe me- were able to mellow out, and and I mean that in whatever sense you want it to mean, with the halftime show with Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and Eminem. Uh, was that was that any sort of therapeutic release that you could enjoy some '90s hip hop? before you yes. focused on your game. Again. Well, I mean, that, that that's, that, I love nineties hip hop. That that's my favorite, but the bad thing was, it was like as stressed out as I was throughout the game, you know, I was doing okay, but it was at halftime. That's when it really hit when, when they weren't playing and, you know, oh, yeah. listen, watching the show and mm. that's when I started feeling it. And, you know, knowing that it was so close coming up with the second half, probably the halftime was worse than, Everything except for the last drive of the game, I'd say. Well, just like this show, Chuck, you can watch the halftime show again on YouTube. So yeah, you exactly. Which that I had true. to do, by the way. I was, I was actually. Well, I won't bore the listeners too much with this, but I was in transit because I was watching the first half with with my family. But then I had to get my kids to bed, so at halftime I traveled home and I, I caught like thirty seconds of the halftime show. I'm like, oh, this looks pretty cool. And I actually had to watch it on YouTube later. Very awesome. I uh, loved yes, it. It was very, yeah. very, very cool. Um, all right, so let's get back to um, I, I kind of talked about how you built this lineup. Sure. When you were formulating this, how long did it take you to say, okay, I got to make a lineup and it's done? Was it a couple of minutes? Was it a couple of hours? Was it a couple of days for you to figure this out? And were there any players on this team? I know you said you were locked into Kelsey and you were locked right. into some other players. Were there any other players that you were like this close to either going a different way or switching them out before uh, kickoff of the playoffs? Sure. Yeah. Um, I kind of put the, the lineup together early in the week and then just kind of let it sit there for a couple of days and then, then went back and looked at it again, made a couple of changes here and there. But I was I decided that I was going to finish it off Friday night. I was going to you know set it and not touch it Saturday unless, of course, something came down with with injuries. But the, the biggest decision came down to because I, I needed running backs and I, I had Joe Mixon in there, but I, I needed a second running back to fill out the lineup. And it came down to either going with, and I, I had it written down, I was going to go with Zeke Elliott and Devontae Adams, or I was going to go with Dalton Schultz and Aaron Jones. So go. I ended up going with Schultz and Jones, and that worked out. Schultz had a you know second best game on Cowboys, and Aaron Jones had the best game out of anybody for Green Bay. So so that was the one decision that took me down to the end, and I chose chose correctly. 
So, <laughs> okay. Well, you're going to have to come back to present day and quit leaving in the past. You're going to have to earn your money here and give us gotcha. some advance. You know, Debo Samuel. Uh, okay. That I didn't get him anywhere in the last year's draft, so I loaded him up on all of my playoff teams. Um, here's a player. Let's look forward to to 2022. And Balky and I were just talking, and and Balky gave a very good question, and and I said, no matter what quarterback it is, Debo Samuel, and even all the other guys, I have great respect for those players. I'm going to draft those players high right now, Mr. Armani, and the mojo uh, informs us that he is. Uh, middle of the second round, maybe even a little earlier than that in the number six receiver. So what I want to ask you, are you comfortable with that? And the second part of the question is, if you drafted him in the second round, would you pair him, would you prefer to pair him with a first-round running back or one of the first-round elite receivers? Or does it make any difference at all? If you're talking, I've taken Debo middle of the second round every day. No, no doubt about that. I mean, he's, I mean, I think that's a given. I mean, I know I've, I've seen a lot with possibility of him even sliding into the first, late first. I mean, I don't know if I would go that high, but looking at those other receivers, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter, but I am one who I tend to want to get a running back in the first round. Um, but it all matters, you know, draft slot, you know, and things like that. But I mean, if he's there in the second, that pick definitely, I don't know. I guess I would have a little trouble taking him over some of those other receivers, um, you know, ahead of that. But he does offer so much rushing, you know, with the passing. And I actually think that if if they do move on to Trey Lance, I, I think that's even better for him because I think he'll be more control in the running game. So, like, it, when you look at what Samuel did last year, I mean, mm-hmm. quite frankly, if if it's Garoppolo again this year, you're looking at the exact same thing. And if it's Lance, it's even better, right? That, I mean, that's the way I see it. I mean, yeah. I mean, he was such an integral part of the offense, and you know, Lance is going to have to lean on someone like him even more. So, I mean, either way, yeah. I mean, that's why if he's in that spot, I, I think that's a no-brainer right there. Is there Chuck? Is there any? Um, is there any caution or any trepidation you have knowing that? And I know Samuel's a rocked-up receiver, mm-hmm. but if they use him in the backfield more, do you get concerned more of like the the whole? You know. Um, being more prone to injury, given all the extra hits he would take if they do line up uh, him up in the backfield more than they did in 2021, or does that not affect the way you would draft them? No, I, I think that's a definitely a big part of it, and and I think that's one of the reasons why I don't see I I I probably couldn't see myself taking him in the first round, you know, early second, yes. I mean, I I guess I I don't know. I believe in the fact that you know you're not going to really win your your league based on your first round pick, but you could lose it, and I think that if you uh. You, you lose that first round pick that early. I mean, that'd be tough. And, you know, injury wise, that's, yeah, the, the rushing, the rushing's as great as it is. It could also be his downfall. Um, I, I Let's talk about um, the dynasty team that you have. You uh, own a team in the t- uh, FFPC 1250, number 24 league. You have Alvin Kamara uh, in that team. And as a fellow Alvin Kamara stats owner in, in dynasty, um, like myself, have you been shopping him around? Have you been sending offers out knowing what happened uh, at the Pro Bowl or during the Pro Bowl weekend? Um, what are you trying to get from him? And if somebody pitches you an offer, how many cents on the dollar are you willing to part with Kamara for? Not only knowing what happened to him in Vegas, but knowing his quarterback situation, knowing that there's a new coach there, everything that's going on in New Orleans. Certainly there's a lot of you know, moving gears with Alvin Kamara right now. Right. It's funny because – 
Um, I was offered a deal that involved Camara like right before the Pro Bowl. And it was something that I, I wasn't real big on, but <laughs> knowing what happened then, you know, that would have maybe changed my mind a little bit. Um, honestly, at this point, I haven't really been shopping too much. I've talked to a, a couple couple guys in the league about it. Um, the only problem I'm having is that team right now is pretty weak at running back. And so it's I'm almost trying to eke out that that one more, you know, good year of Camara and try to get rid of them, unless of course something does come across where, you know, you know, I would look to deal. It's just it's it's tough knowing that I don't have a whole lot behind him right now. So I'm just kind of crossing my fingers and hoping he gets through it. I've got a dynasty question too, but before I get to that, I you know, Balky, correct me if I'm wrong, but our three-headed monster that won the 2021 FFPC championship is Buffalo-based as well, correct? Yep, absolutely, and, yeah. And those guys were all over the media in Buffalo. Yeah. You, Chuck, seem to have command of uh, of, of, of this um, of this platform and are doing very, very well and wonderful and so at ease in this interview. Uh, how many interviews have you given? Are you a media darling in the Buffalo market too? And how many people are going to descend on the FFPC from Buffalo to get this easy money? Because obviously <laughs> you guys just know how to come in and get it. And so will you be, uh, you know, I, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to meeting Chuck Sr. Because this makes it so special to be playing it with your dad. So I'll just keep asking questions. Are, yeah. are both of you coming to Las Vegas? Enjoy it. How many teams are you going to play in the FFPC? And I'm I'm going to request that I draft at a different time. <laughs> well, all well, the things inter- I'm interested in talking about. Right? Well, 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 I hear you. Interview wise, this is my first one. First interview. Oh. Yeah, yep. Kind of kept low key. Um, but as far as yeah, this number one. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as getting others involved, yeah, it's like everybody I hear. It's like what you, you spent two hundred dollars and you won this, and so it's like everybody's trying to to latch on to that a little bit. Um, so, you know, we'll see where that goes next year, but, but yeah, it's funny. My dad and I were talking, you know, last night, um, about next year about, cause we've only done one, one main event team every year. And it was like, well, you know, we got to at least do another one now. Oh, so, I think at least so. Have. Yes. Right, we have we to, right? one each day. Exactly. We're right. One right. for each drafting time. Well, well, I just want to see Chuck in the room. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. I will remind you, Chuck, that our KFFSC drafts in August and there's nonstop flights from Southwest Airlines. <laughs> It will get you to Louisville, and I'll pick you and senior up at the airport. But before well, we do all that, I'll take you up on that. So I got to have some dynasty help. Um, I am playing. Uh, we haven't heard from him tonight, Balky. I hope you told him we had a new platform. But uh, Hudson Kern Reed, one of the great twenty sixers, uh, he is terrific, and he is he invited me to join a group of longtime. Um, dynasty players, uh, Clint Ostermiller, uh, Greg McLean, uh, the Cavs of the North, all guys we've talked to on the show. And, you know, Derek Henry and Juju Smith-Schuster went down to injury, but it wouldn't have mattered because they, they beat me like a nail. But I will say that I'm enjoying it. What I don't, what I'm not able to get my hands around is the trading concept. I, I, I don't offer many trades. I turned down most of them. I've acquired one player. Quickly, I'll get to this. Amari Cooper. I think if he leaves Dallas, there's certain places where he could be really be an upshot to his career. Uh, I hope he doesn't leave Dallas. I thought he and, and Prescott had a tremendous uh, a tremendous chemistry towards the end of the year. But you can't keep Gallup and to a lesser degree Wilson on the bench forever. So my question is this. Are you a buyer or a seller on Cooper? And he's the kind of player I think if he was on my roster, 
if I'm a seller, I want too much. And if I'm a buyer, I really don't know what to give. Can you, can you kind of help me out a little there? Well, I, I agree with you hundred percent. Cause I do have him on my roster and oh. I was, yeah, I, I was engaged in a couple talks about training him and, and I was, I was asking too much in return. Um, I do hope that he ends up someplace else. I do hope Dallas lets him go and he finds a new home. So I think that, you know, going somewhere and, you know, being the, you know, being the number one, you know, not the the one A, one B, whatever they have in Dallas. I, I do. I hope he goes somewhere, you know, someplace with a decent quarterback, but you know, also that's the thing right now. I mean, where are all these quarterbacks going? What receivers are going to end up there? It's, you know, but I do, I, I'd like to see him move on. And, you know, I, I think that will increase his value. Yeah. And, and, and I, it's weird because you don't want him leaving such an elite offense, but if right. he does leave that elite offense, he doesn't have to contend with CD lamb. Right. Um, obviously Michael Gallup, I know is recovering from the ACL, but he was contending with him for targets. Think about Dalton Schultz and Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, all three guys were heavily involved in the passing game. Cooper could have his target share go up um, wherever he goes. So certainly that's something we'll be looking out for this yeah. year. So, so, go ahead, Chuck. No, I was just because I say about Cooper with Dallas. I mean, he, there's so many inconsistencies. Like, you know, he has these big games, then he has those games where he's just non existent. You know, I'd like to see a little more consistency through him. And oh. and we could see that if he does move on, as you so eloquently pointed out. Um, something else we're always on the uh, lookout for is uh, emails when we get them in from uh, fans and listeners on the show. And Chuck, we got a couple for you tonight. First one comes sure. from Los Angeles, home okay. of the uh, uh, Super Bowl uh, champion, Los Angeles Rams. He writes, uh, this is James. Hey, Chuck, I'm sort of torn on what to do with Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski in the never-too-early best ball tournament. Do you think either of them play this year? And when is it late enough to draft either one? Congrats on all that cash. That is James in Los Angeles. For everybody who is wondering where these guys are going, uh, Tom Brady was going originally at like quarterback 10, quarterback 11. Now, even with the the rumors that maybe he's not totally done yet and, and could come back, um, in training camp this year, he has fallen quite a bit. Quarterback 33 at the 17-12. So he's basically free right now if you want him. Remember, uh, the, the best ball slims this year are 20 rounds. And I know there's a lot of pundits and analysts out there talking about maybe they'll be going for a third quarterback. You could certainly do worse uh, at, at a third quarterback than Tom Brady. Quarterback 33 at the 17-12. Rob Gronkowski, tight end 24. He has also fallen. He's going at the 1401. Chuck, do those ADPs for Brady and Gronkowski match up with what you would be looking at if you were drafting in this tournament where you would take them? Yeah, I think so. And James, thank you very much um, for the words. Well, I will say, though, I am a little biased about Tom Brady. You know, my, my son's name is Brady because of Tom Brady. So I am really hoping he does come back. Um, I do like the fact that, you know, he hasn't officially said retire, but I mean, I don't know. I, I don't want to see him go to San Francisco. I, I want to see him come back to Tampa if he does. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think being that late of a round, you might as well. I'm, I would do it. I actually have him on the dynasty team and I'm contemplating, you know, whether I have cut him or keep him. And right now I'm keeping him because, you know, I don't know what's going to happen at this point. But yeah, I mean, at this point, I'd say I don't think he's coming back, but, you know, he is leaving that, that door open a little bit. Gronk, I, I don't know. I mean, I would have said before that, he's not going to play without Brady, but it doesn't seem like, like that's true anymore. I, I could see him coming back this year. And I mean, yeah, at, at that ADP, I, I would be all over that. Yeah. Uh, it, it makes perfect sense. Um, quarterback in and tight end. We're in that last question. Let's talk about receiver with this next question. This comes from Rick in Ericsburg, Minnesota, ironically, my favorite city in Minnesota. How's it going, Chuck? 
Do I draft Jacoby Myers like he'll be the Patriots' number one receiver right now, or do you expect New England to either draft or sign someone else as Mac Jones' top wideout? That is Rick in Ericsburg, Minnesota. Right now, if you look at the ADP for Jacoby Myers, he is going as wide receiver 61 at the 1309. Uh, how do you feel about that ADP with Myers, and what do you see New England doing at the wide receiver position this coming year, Chuck? Well, I think New England's definitely going to be bringing someone in. I mean, I do like Jacoby Myers if he could just catch, you know, touchdown passes. But um, I'm not a big fan of New England. Well, I shouldn't say that. I could see Mac Jones definitely regressing a little bit next year um, with the change mm. in offense coordinator. I mean, that's as much as I do like Mac Jones. I just, I don't know. It's a change in without McDaniels. I could see that happening. But I think they are going to bring someone in. But um, you said 60, 61 from, from Myers? Yep, yeah. wide receiver 61. I, just I'm, I'm, to, just to, to to illustrate that a little bit better, he's going in in a sort of a cluster right now. It's him, Josh Palmer from the Chargers, Van Jefferson, and then the rookie Jamison Williams. That's where Myers is going. Yeah, I mean, I definitely like Josh Palmer's upside, especially you know whatever happens with Mike Williams there. But I I could see Myers at at that point. Farrell, as much as I'd love to ask a Packers question <laughs> of, of Chuck, I will I will. Um, let you have this one uh, this evening about the Packers back. Oh, man. I, uh, Bucky, I'm asking a question that you already know the answer to. And I got a feeling that Chuck knows the answer to. And you guys will both have to enlighten me. Because I think the best, I think the best Packer running back is Aaron Jones. But all of you that owned him soured on him towards the end of the year. A.J. Dillon is there at the seventh round. Uh, Jones is right at the beginning of the fourth, which to me seems a little late. Uh, Chuck, what are you doing with these two running backs? Uh, expound on with your wisdom on the Green Bay backfield, please. I take Aaron Jones in the fourth round every time. Yeah. I, fourth round, definitely. I mean, yes, I know that seventh round value is great with Dylan. Um, but if you could get Aaron Jones in the fourth, he's the one I would rather have. Uh, if you're talking maybe a little earlier than that, then then I'm definitely straying more towards the, the seven round Dylan. But I mean, I just think that with Jones's catchability, um, I know you know him getting hurt last year, but he came back strong in that obviously the playoff game, and it helped me out a lot. Um, if Rodgers is there, you know he seems the one that Rodgers is most comfortable with. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with Jones in the fourth. As much as I do like Dylan, I think that's the better better value. Bucky, could you return to the board and tell us what what running backs bracket Dylan there in the yeah, seventh? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, I can, Farrell. I, I occasionally I like to help the humans, and this is uh, a, an occasion when I absolutely <laughs> the lesser love. mortals. Yeah, uh, okay. AJ Dylan, running back twenty nine. He is going right behind the rookie out of Texas A and M, Isaiah Spiller, Damian Harris, uh, right before him. Those are the two running backs before him. Right after him. James Conner, and then Kareem Hunt. So that's where you're looking at Dylan right now, running back 29 um, at the end of the seventh round. I'll say this too, and and I've talked to, and we're, we're going to talk with um, Todd Burroughs is, is going to be the, the guest on the uh, road of his high stakes lowdown this coming week. And, and he'll probably tell you the same thing. And all these other uh, high stakes players that are drafting early right now here in February will tell you, 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 you don't want to swing for contact to borrow baseball uh, euphemism since we won't get um, to use them a whole lot going forward, apparently. Um, you don't want to be swinging for contact or swinging for base hits. You want to be swinging for the fences and knocking those um, um, yep. extra base hits off the walls, right? Mm-hmm. Aaron Jones is a home run hitter for people. A.J. Dillon, to me, after seeing him up close as a, as a Packers fan here, 
he is not a home run hitter. He's a very effective running back, but I don't, unless there's a Jones injury, I don't really see the upside, even taking him in the seventh round. I think you get a guy like Aaron Jones on an elite offense, assuming again, Rogers comes back um, a guy that, that is being put in situations, um, not only running the ball, but receiving the ball, the more elite pass catcher of the two. And the fact that you think about not necessarily his 2021, but his 2020, all those big plays he has, this is the type of running back that you want to have in the fourth round. So I could not agree with you guys more uh, on Jones being the better value in the early fourth than Dylan uh, in the late seventh. Um, all right, moving on here. Want to get back to the, and we, and by the way, we didn't, we didn't, uh, I didn't mention this before, but I will, I will say it now, if I can bring it up here. If you look at the um, the YouTube feed, we have um, Chuck's uh, winning lineup here, which I didn't really center on before. Chuck's mentioned it here, um, but you can see it there. He did indeed have Aaron Jones on this team. Joe Mixon, as he's wearing the jersey tonight, Josh Allen, he mentioned as his quarterback. The receivers were A.J. Brown, Mike Evans, Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel, who we've talked a lot about, and then the three tight ends here, Goddard, Kelsey Schultz, Nick Folk and the Arizona Cardinals as his uh, as his defense tonight. So that's what we were looking at there with Chuck's $500,000 winning lineup. Chuck, I assume you're splitting this cash with you and your dad, maybe amongst other people. I don't know what sort of deals that you have worked out or whatever. In any event, it's a lot of money. Have yes. you earmarked any of that cash for anything right now? Or are you still in the planning process? Well, I mean, what was great is we've already kind of have all of our vacations booked, you know, up through the, through summer and everything. So that was nice. Um, so really, we're just looking at maybe making a couple home improvements, um, you know, with some investing. You know, my, both my kids are young, so looking ahead to college, um, putting money away there. Um, my son and I are doing that um, that new Star Wars Galactic uh, cruiser hotel so so we're doing that so now i'm gonna have to take my daughter to disney to some type of princess cat i don't know something like that so it's only fair so some of the money's gonna go there but but really it's just you know i, I don't know i just kind of want to let it sit in that bank account for a little while so i could look at it and you know work from there we'll, we'll come up with something as we go along if i had known bulky was going to ask such an invasive question chuck <laughs> i would have contacted you before the show and i would have had your financial manager standing by where he could have slid right into the picture <laughs> oh it would have been wonderful but you know we we'd love to know bulky and i you know we we daydream about going to camps and stuff with big right. money but anyway hey help me help me get to one of these uh big paydays by telling me sure Who's going to really hit a home run like Balky's talking about, and who uh, you really, you really just got to take a pass on because you don't see it this coming year. And it, you know, it can be, it it, it can be a mid round guy that that you just think is a waste of a draft pick. Um, just it doesn't have to. You don't have to go in the first couple rounds. Just tell us, guys, that somebody may be counting on that you say can't deliver. Well, I, I mean, I'm I'm not touching McCaffrey or Barkley um, unless I mean I mean those are earlier round guys. I mean, but I mean if McCaffrey's there at the end of the first by some chance, then maybe yeah, Barkley on the second. I just I don't know. I I don't want any part of those guys. Um, as far as other ones that I think that you know that are going to be on my teams this year, I should say I I expect Dobbins to to come back this year from that injury full year. I I really like him. I do like, like I know I mentioned McDaniel's leaving New England, but showing up in with Las Vegas, 
I do like Josh Jacobs as a, you know, whether you're talking RB2, possibly three. I like him and Hunter Renfro, you know, mm-hmm. filling that that slot role with with that offense. I like a lot. I'm going to have probably Ramondre Stevenson on every one of my teams this year. I don't know. Even though it seems like Belichick, you know, really likes Damian Harris. I don't know. The explosiveness of him, I like. And, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say there's anyone I'm staying away from other than those two backs. I expect, you know, Waddle to have a huge year. Um, I do like Rashad Bateman coming back in his yes. second year as well. Those are those are guys I'm kind of looking at as I go and that I'll, I'll kind of focus on if, if they're there at the right price. So. Um, Bateman, you mentioned uh, wide receiver 44 at the at the uh, 1001. I think that's a really good value right mm-hmm. now. I think we're of the same mind on that Farrell as well. Um, you brought up Barkley. And, and let me let me just ask you this because right now he is falling, Chuck, in the never too early FFPC best ball tournament. Running back 13 at the 301. Could I twist your arm enough to get you to yeah. take him with the first pick of the third round? That that you could, yes. Yeah, that that that's that's somewhere I'd I'd look at him. You know, before that, no, I don't think so. If you're talking last couple of picks of the second, early third, yeah. I mean, talent talent-wise, you have to do it, I think. And just hope. I mean, everyone has the same opportunity getting hurt. You just kind of hope that he's uh, he can make it through a year. So, um, and and a gentleman who talent wise is was a fantastic guest tonight, who made it through the yes. gauntlet of the FFPC playoff challenge, the world famous FFPC playoff challenge, yes. and is now five hundred thousand dollars richer because of Great. it. It is indeed Chuck Root Jr. Chuck, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, send us congratulations to your father uh, well, as well. And uh, I, you know what. 15 years, we'll probably have your kid on this show as he's winning a half million bucks or, or maybe a million bucks in the FFPC was, main event. That's right. That, that's yep. what I said, and we'll have to go for that one next. So, but <laughs> Well, listen, thank you. we will see you out in Vegas, dude. Thanks so much yes, for carving definitely. out some time for us tonight, man. I'll definitely be there. Thank you very much for having me, and I'd also like to thank everyone at the FFPC, you know, Alex and Dave and, and uh, Chris. Thanks nice. for everything, for running a great organization and giving people like me a chance to – to be successful and to win this money. I really appreciate it. That's Thank you awesome, very much. Chuck. Thank you so right. much for the kind words. We'll see you soon. Thank you, Chuck. Hey, thanks. Right. Take care, guys. Thank you. Chuck Root, ladies and gentlemen, the uh, winner of the $500,000 world famous uh, FFPC playoff challenge. Um, and, and one of the things that, that we'll, we'll, we'll talk about here in a second. Well, we'll talk about right now. The Dizzle was pointing out in on the, on the YouTube uh, comments, Farrell. Chuck makes it seem so easy. Uh, yes. It makes it seem so easy to win this, and it's hard. You know, he. I, I feel like you know we had Stephen Rannigan on uh, on this program last year because he won the five hundred thousand dollars. He has won three separate six figure um, uh, fantasy football season long challenge or season longer playoff challenges, and um, he had finished very high up in the world famous FFPC playoff challenge um, multiple years. Chuck finished twelfth last year. He wins the whole thing this year. It, it, it kind of is easy to him, right? I mean, it's insane. I think it is. You know, Chuck's got a winning personality. I think he should move to Kentucky and run for office. I can I can see him in the governor's mansion. I see a lot of good things for Chuck. And That's- and 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 listen, um, if you're if you're talking about moving, apparently, if you don't want to move to um, snowy Northeast Wisconsin or no. glorious Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. Third on that list should be Buffalo, New York. Yes. Where, well, where all the FFPC champs. Something's are going on up there in Buffalo. They <laughs> got to drive down. Something is working. Uh, jump, you know, uh, launch yourself through the tables during the season and win a half million bucks by the end of the season. I, it's, it's, it's weird. I don't, I can't explain it. Um, let's get into, uh, I, I know I want to make some time for emails tonight because we ran out of time last week. 
and we'll kick things off here with uh, John and Toledo. Actually, yeah, we'll go to John and Toledo first. Uh, he writes, is Calvin Ridley worth a roll of the dice in the late fourth round of the FFPC's Never Too Early tournament? I'm swinging for the fences here. So the other guy I'm considering is Elijah Moore. And I think both of these guys are, are potential. You know, they both have the, the potential to finish as top mm -hmm. 10 receivers, maybe top five, you mm -hmm. know, it, and probably not a great chance of that, but definitely top 10. But Farrell, when you look at this, between Ridley and Moore, I, I, I really don't know what's going on with Ridley. I, I wish nothing but the best for him. But at this point, I, I know it's not a sexy offense uh, with the Jets, but Zach Wilson year two, Moore really stepped up at the end of the season. I'm going Moore over Ridley. Halloween is the key date, Valky. Uh, Elijah Moore in six games, 33 catches, uh, five touchdowns after Halloween of 2021. Calvin Ridley, a bunch of goose eggs after Halloween of 2021. Uh, availability is the best ability, Balky. Elijah Moore is my guy. At quarterback, uh, Wilson, he's he's not a fantasy quarterback yet, but he's sure going to be a contributing NFL quarterback this season. It's going to be a better year, and Moore and Wilson will have something going on. Yeah, both those guys, I, I know he kind of um, – John kind of alluded to it I, I, in the email, um, but if you look at their ADP – in the never-too-early uh, best ball tournament. Moore is going as wide receiver 21, Calvin Ridley wide receiver 19, both of them at that 4-5 turn there. So we are both saying more, uh, so yes. hopefully that helps you, John. Larry in Pittsburgh, who is the better value as a high-end tight end this year, Hunter Henry or Tyler Higby? Um, Hunter Henry, a guy who had a really good season in New England last year after um, many of us, myself included, thought that Johnny Smith was going to be the guy there after the big signing uh, was Hunter Henry that, that took over there. He's mm -hmm. tight end 16 at the 10 Oh eight um, uh, Higby tight end 17 right now at the 10 11. So both these guys going in the late 10th. I, I feel like I am leaning towards uh, Hunter Henry. Obviously the Rams are, are going to get Robert Woods back this year. Cooper cup is otherworldly. The, the Patriots just don't have that dominant, target funnel uh in new england and and that's why i would go with henry over higby they don't have and if they do and get one player that will help hunter henry it'll free some things up for him in the middle of the field down around the goal line the kind of uh uh cooper cup who drew the interference uh, uh down uh, or drew the holding penalty um for the rams in the super bowl that's a hunter henry route in new england um so, yeah, I like this player, 50 catches, nine touchdowns last year. And, and you know, Higby just got a $29 million contract, which looks very good on paper for four years. Half of it's guaranteed. And I think through his injury, what they discovered is the Rams front office has done very well. Bryson Hopkins, uh, uh, Brad Hopkins' son, and uh, the kid uh, Blanton from Missouri, both these guys showed that they can contribute. Uh, Hopkins uh, is a third-team tight end, perhaps better and and more active to willing to 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 play. And uh, yeah, I just I just like what's going on at the position uh, there in the Rams. So not only is there competition and and prolific players at the other positions, but now Higby has two other tight ends on the team that that warrant some play time. Just reading this right now, you mentioned I didn't realize that Brad Hopkins was Hopkins's father. Yeah, 13th overall pick of the 93 draft. He was an offensive tackle and Farrell. He um, played uh, power forward for Moline High School next to uh, NBA first round draft pick AC Earl, which I didn't realize. Uh, 
it, the, the athleticism runs in the Hopkins family, clearly, as, right. as uh, we just learned. Um, let's go down to Birmingham, Al uh, Alabama. Terry Always a great place. To be. In Birmingham. He says, are y'all seeing a Lamar Jackson discount in the never-too-early tourney, or does Justin Herbert still make more sense at that spot instead? Thanks for all y'all do. That is Terry in Birmingham, Alabama. So let's talk about these quarterbacks here, Farrell. Um, Lamar Jackson, quarterback four. Justin Herbert is quarterback three. And Herbert at the 504, Lamar Jackson at the 508. I think there is a little bit of a discount when you consider the upside that Jackson had. And I think he's being a little bit penalized for that ankle injury that sidelined him at the end of the 2021 season when Tyler Huntley, you know, really looked all that in a bag of chips. Mm -hmm. um, but Lamar Jackson, I, I, I think there is a bit of a discount there at the end of the fifth round. I'm never one to draft the quarterback early, but that at that point, with his legs and his arm and the and the pass catchers around him, might consider him there. I think I like Jackson a little bit better there than Herbert in the early fifth. I like Herbert a little bit better, and I'll tell you why. And it's it, it's not a knee jerk reaction when you begin to look at the numbers. Herbert, uh, especially in this best ball format, um, three TD games five times for Justin Herbert last year. Four TDs um, in in two games. Uh, he threw the ball 670 times, Balky. Uh, we've got a, a team in Baltimore that plays a much, much different style of football. They believe in running the ball. We just heard our guest talk about Dobbins coming back. He uh, He's high on Dobbins, and I, he believes Dobbins is going to get the ball. Bateman is a developing wide receiver, but 60 catches for Bateman is a pretty good number. Um, and what I think is tied to Jackson is Andrews. And it, it was such a pleasure to watch Andrews play uh, last year. And I hope he continues his good health. But my the question mark I say is, what if he doesn't? What if Andrews misses time? So much of that offense goes through him. Where um, Justin Herbert has endless tools uh, in, in the Charger game. And they play competition um, with the Raiders, um, with Kansas City, where they have to put points on the board. That's not the same thing that happens in, in Baltimore's division. So I'm going to lean into Herbert here, and I'm going to lean into him pretty quickly and take him in front of Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Justin Herbert um, going um, only behind Josh Allen and, and Patrick Mahomes. Um, so, you know, we can see some epic games uh, in the AFC West again this year with uh, with the Chiefs and Chargers with two of the top three drafted uh, quarterbacks in high-stakes drafts right now with uh, with Herbert and Mahomes. Should be entertaining there. Um, final question of the night. It is a running back question, and it is another Raven that you just mentioned, Farrell. Tom and Berkeley, which running back are you guys more likely to have on your teams this year? J.K. Dobbins or David Montgomery, he of the uh, Chicago Bears and um, David Montgomery right now, as we as we go to the mojo here and, and find out where he is going, it's running back 17, Dobbins running back 16, 402 and 404. So both early fourth round picks. You're in the Aaron Jones, Ezekiel Elliott, Josh Jacobs neighborhood there. But Farrell, if I narrowed it down between Montgomery and Dobbins, um, I, which one are you going with? I lean towards who I perceive as mm -hmm. the pass catcher of the two. I would go Montgomery despite the rise of Khalil Herbert last year. I still think he holds the higher upside there. So I will go Montgomery over Dobbins in the majority of my drafts this year. I think I would, but those three players, plus you put in Jacobs there, it's very compelling. And I would try to mix it up and, and take a little bit of each one of them. Each one of them will contribute to your team. And this would be your number two running back 
I suppose. And, and I can live with any of those. I can live with any of those guys. I'm staying away from Elliot and going to get Pollard much, uh, much later, which I think Pollard is going in the seventh round. Um, I think that's great value, but in that mix of players there, um, yeah, Montgomery's done it recently. There's changes in Chicago. Um, still to be determined what that's going to look like. If if I'm if I'm in a risk taking mood, that's what I'm going to do. Montgomery. Yeah, Tony Pollard. Actually, I just looked this up. This surprised me because I thought he was going in the seventh round too. Farrell running back thirty four at the eight eleven. Yeah. Um, where you can get Pollard right now. That's Miles Sanders, Rashad Penny, Kenneth Walker, Cordero Patterson. Uh, territory. So Pollard going late, which is surprising given that, you know, the narrative with him has always been, you know, talking with high stakes players over, over the last couple of years that Pollard's the best guy in that offense. And now we're letting him fall to the, to the, the late eighth round. It, it, it's crazy. Craziness. Uh, you know what two Packer says, uh, draft an ADP team, get an average team. I'm drafting Pollard wherever I can in the seventh round. Just did it before the show started. Good for you. Uh, and by the way, if you want to draft uh, like Farrell is in the FFPC, make sure you're going to KFFSC.com. You have the uh, big payback plans going on right there. You have the $39 draft masters going on there right now. You can pop in those. They launch as soon as they are filled. Follow uh, Farrell on Twitter at KFFSC at J. Farrell Elliott. And check out the KFFSC at KFFSC.com. Just got my first Kentucky draft in the books on Sunday. Was I, was, I, I, was, I was pretty proud of it Sunday night. Monday morning, I was kind of like, eh, we'll see. <laughs> but but I think that's that's just, you know, it, it is what it is uh, with that. So I'm very excited to see how that turns out. I've very had some excited. nice like that too, Balky. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very excited to see how uh, our, our YouTube um, performance uh, is uh, rated by the pundits and the FFPC players. That will be watching this um, uh, on the feed um, tomorrow and, and the rest of the weekend uh, was fun. I had a lot of a lot of fun tonight uh, doing the show with you and 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 shout out to Chuck Root as well. Farrell, thanks so much for joining us and and let's do this again on YouTube next Friday, man. Why not, Balky? I'll see you then. All right, you got it, Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, the commissioner of the uh, Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, KFFSC.com is where you can check that out and uh, play with a lot of players who are on this program uh, each and every week. Uh, and, um, and we'll be competing. Uh, I'll be competing with them uh, again out in Louisville this year, out in Cincinnati for the live drafts. And of course, online KFFSC.com. Thanks to Chuck Root. Thanks to Farrell Elliott, the FFPC, Rob Bryson, of course, each and every one of you next Friday, we will be back right here. Same channel um, on YouTube here, uh, 10, nine central. And we're going to talk with the 2021 FFPC best ball tournament champion, $100,000 champion, Connor O'Driscoll uh, will, will join us. We had some technical difficulties bringing him on a couple of weeks ago. So he is going to be our guest um, this upcoming Friday. And we'll talk a great time to be uh, bringing a best ball expert on. Uh, of course, all the work he does at rotoviz.com. Uh, and he'll share with us how he built that tournament uh, championship winning team and, um, and how he plans on going back to back this year. Uh, once again, dozens of dynasty uh, orphans are available at myffpc.com slash dynasty for sale. A um, lot of good ones on there. Some discounted all the way down to a dollar. Um, definitely check that out if you're looking to add some year-round fantasy football fun. Um, inaugural, never too early best ball tournament is uh, taking registrations now. 30-second timers, one-minute timers, two-hour, six-hour timers uh, as well. Um, that's at myffpc.com. 
Where else can you try to win $25,000 here in February? We're doing it right now at the FFPC. If you want to play in the closed 12 team leagues, we have those going on um, live, slow, sit and goes, whatever, um, uh, all at the FFPC right now. So you can uh, take your hand at that. Whether you want to do a 28 round best ball, a 20 round slim best ball, you can do that with no kickers and no defenses as well. Uh, and then, of course, the big one, the big enchilada, $1 million at stake in the FFPC main event this year. Make sure you're registering for the early bird discount there uh, and getting the discount, uh, $500 off uh, additional team discounts there as well at myffpc.com. Thank you so much uh, for listening, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Before I let you go, I do want to bring up one other thing. Um, a lot of you know uh, Wayne Ferguson, maybe not by his name, but by his team name, Pound for Pound been an FFPC player, I believe, since 2009, maybe 2008. Uh, he's, he's drafted in a ton of teams. And if you say, well, Balkia, that, that name sounds really familiar. Well, he's been drafting in the live on the HSFFR Football Guys Players Championship draft for the last several years. Um, and he's also drafted in Genesis Revelations. He's He's been a longtime participant in that. Um, or, uh, late last month, he actually passed away. Um, way too young, 61 years old, and, and we'll certainly miss him. So I do want to shout out uh, him and, and um, you know, give positive uh, vibes and, and prayers to his family as, as they deal with the loss of Wayne Ferguson. We will miss you in the FFPC, Wayne. Uh, rest in peace, um, a guy who served his country in the Air Force for a couple of decades um, and, and certainly, uh, you know, we, we definitely will miss uh, seeing him uh, in the drafts. I know I will miss seeing him in the drafts going forward. Rest in peace, Wayne Ferguson. Uh, thanks so much for everything. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, your weekend officially starts now.